0: Welcome to Incarcerate Radio, a production of Incarcerate being broadcast live from the studio of 88.1 WPE, your West Philly community radio station. In the last three decades, the prison population in Pennsylvania has risen by 600% while violent crime has stayed put or gone down. Politicians, prosecutors, and police have targeted low-income communities of color, stopping, harassing, and arresting our neighbors, and leaving whole generations with criminal records. Uh-huh. Enough uh-huh. is enough. Incarcerate uh-huh. PA is a coalition of individuals and organizations working to put an end to the damaging system we call mass incarceration, and our three-point platform outlines how we aim to get there. First, we say, no new prison. That means canceling the $450 million construction in Graterford passing a moratorium against future prison projects. New prisons waste our resources and help cause the future they claim to prepare for. The 19 new prisons built in the last 33 years haven't made us safer. They've just allowed us to continue in the wrong direction. Second, we call for decarceration itself. That means reversing the policies of mass incarceration and reducing the prison population. We can't stop building prisons and keep the failed laws and policies that filled them to begin with. Mandatory minimums must go. Everyone should be eligible for parole. People with substance abuse problems should get treatment, not jail time. Mass incarceration is a product of bad laws, and we need to change them. Finally, we understand that the real problems in our communities can't be ignored. That's why the third point of our platform calls for community reinvestment. We want the money being wasted on prisons to be reinvested in schools, healthcare, social services, job training classes, and addiction treatment programs. These are the things that actually make our community safer, and it's time we made them our priority.
1: Our
0: platform is a plan but our strength is in the thousands of people all across the state and country who are standing up against a broken, oppressive system. Join us every Saturday from noon to one to hear how they're working to create a world without prisoners.
2: You're listening to Decarcerate PA Radio on WPEB 88.1 FM, your West Philadelphia local radio station. On today's show, we have a pre-recorded interview with Hearts on a Wire Collective. They're going to talk to us a little bit about some of the work they've done in the past and on their newsletter, uh, which is an ongoing uh, project of the collective.
3: Jordan Gwendolyn Davis, female pronouns. All right. uh, my name is Adrian, he, him, his.
4: My name is Barrett, they, and them.
5: My name is Mary P. Donna. She and her are they and them. And so uh, we just want to start out with a sort of what is Hearts on a Wire? Hearts on a Wire, um, you know, like every, everyone in Hearts on a Wire is going to say something a little bit different, but from what I know, so yeah, I went over, last Trans Health, I went over and over and over, uh, from what I know, um, it's, um, Inside Outside Transgender Prison, Transgender and Gender Variant Prison Rights Advocacy Group. So it's not like we're like people on the out, just people on the outside of the you know jails and prisons. It's like we have, it's definitely we have members on the inside, and we actively try to center our work with like trans people and gender variant people uh, on the inside, and try to advocate for what they have, communicate to us. Like I think from what I know about SnowWire is that we do whatever we can to improve the quality of life in, like, very minute or potentially larger ways for, like, trans and gender-variant people and all their varying experiences in the Pennsylvania jails and prisons.
3: It's a very great project because we get to, uh, we get to sort of, uh, communicate with each other and we get to, uh, see, uh, we get to hear what is wrong with the system and we, it's also a good, uh, opportunity to, uh, to like really advocate for the uh, for the issues surrounding this because this is probably, in terms of LGBT rights advocacy issues, this is probably one of the least what you would say sexy issues and I'm glad we're uh, and I'm glad we're here to like address that.
5: There's certainly a lack of recognition.
1: Agreed.
2: Um, I don't know if you guys want to talk a little bit about about your campaigns. I actually
1: want to go back to something that we did early on, because I think that that leads to the campaigns. Mm -hmm. um, Which is that uh, sort of one of our early projects is we had this network of folks on the inside and folks who had recently come home, and we were starting to sort of hear stories about what was going on, and there was like an absolute there's no data, um, or there's very little data about what happens to trans and gender-variant people in prisons, and we...
4: Or, like, there's data, but someone who is not the trans or gender-variant person has decided what people's identities are, right? right? So we've got DOC data from states where... right, California specifically, but from places where a person's only going to be recognized as being trans if... They have had surgery, or if they've like done particular things to their body, which we know is just not real for so many transgender, varying people. Um, so I think we felt like, or they at the time felt like we, you know, presently <laughs> still feel like one of the most important things is that people are self-identifying, right? Mm-hmm. And that wasn't happening. And so the difference between this information and the information that was previously available was that we were allowing people to identify themselves instead mm-hmm. of. Like having a warden point a finger or pick out who they had decided was trans among the population. Which mm-hmm. sorry, and splitter is not
5: allowed.
1: Right. So we, so we developed this survey instrument with the participation of the like it was basically designed by people who had just come home. Like these are the questions you need to ask. This is how you need to format it so that it's going to not it's going to sort of slide under the radar uh, because we decided not to ask permission. Well, um, <laughs> we didn't.
4: Better forgiveness than permission.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and we got a grant from Project Home randomly Cha. for a $900 grant. Uh, and we're like, we can do a survey. And we administered this survey. Uh, and then we had all this data. And then it took like three years to actually publish their results. Two years. Some, it was like it was, you know. Uh, anyways, and it turned out to be a lot more work. Um, but there's a certain uh, grassroots cockiness that um, Where would we be without hubris? <laughs> Bossness, yes. Right. Um, and so out of that came, first of all, a sort of set of data that didn't exist before of like mm-hmm. sort of like, ah. Uh, and even though it's probably not scientifically sound or whatever, it's incredibly powerful mm-hmm. for telling a story and it's incredibly powerful to, for the for the folks who contributed uh, who got to see that their experience was not unique. Because one of the hard things about organizing in a community that's spread out over geographic areas, there's often, you know, we get letters from people who are like the only trans person in a particular facility, is that there's, they're like the only one. And so, uh, and so out of that came some sort of, some, 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 these are the things you need to be working on. If you Mm want to be an outside organization in Pennsylvania trying to address the needs of the folks on the inside, here's what we need to be doing. Yeah.
2: What sorts of things did uh did you ask in that survey? God.
4: <laughs> so the survey addresses sort of like every, I mean, every sphere of what life inside of a prison might look like. Um, from just sort of day-to-day kind of social things that go on, to how people are housed, to sexual assault, to, I mean, you know, sort of like a very wide a wide array of different things. Um, but I think the things that were most notable to us and that I think kind of ties into like where you're headed with this particular line of, of thought is that when asked what would make a difference, the things that were stated were things that we think of as really small things, right? Mm
3: -hmm.
4: Appropriate underwear,
1: getting some fucking mail,
4: mail, right? Like, (laughs) People who are on the inside aren't, you know, of course we're a prison abolition group, right? We don't think there should be prisons at all. And yet what folks are asking us for is not to, like, tear down prison walls. It's to allow this experience to be even remotely humane, right? It's Mm -hmm. it's like these tiny little details that on the outside we don't think anything of that actually make all the difference to people. And I think more than the totally horrific stories of rape or violence or whatever it was... The things that were striking to me were were the tiny little things that would make such a huge difference in someone's quality of life. Like that was more surprising than the horrors of prison. Like we we kind of know prison is a, just a completely horrible place, and it's cruel and unusual by its very nature, and it's that way for everyone, and it's particularly that way for transgender variant people.
1: Um, and yeah, I've seen every prison joke ever.
4: Right. What people want is underwear. Right. Like <laughs> makeup. that's right. Makeup. Like, people are asking for these things that feel really small, um, and, and this, you know, and what people asked for turned into sort of our guide to what we should be doing next.
5: Yeah, and, um, going right off of that, um, I think that, like, hence, like, I think that, in that survey is called Witter is Not Allowed, and it's kind of a reference to, like, how, um, something we've been working on for a while now is, um... There's this thing called a commissary list, and when you when you're incarcerated, uh, there's a commissary list. So these are the things that you're allowed to like have access to, and in in many states, in the United States of America, uh, you know, because we're like focusing on Pennsylvania, you know what I mean. Um, there's a um, there are things that are allowed in like designated female or just like quote unquote female prisons and designated male or just like quote unquote male prisons like raws and makeup is allowed you know, in designated female prisons but it's not allowed in designated male prisons, so, and it's really interesting because there's this whole, uh, like, if, if it's not, if you if you want to get something and it's not on, um, the commissary, it's, it's like, almost impossible to have access to that, and since it's not on the commissary, unless it's considered, uh, like, contraband, so, like, something like raw or makeup or even glitter could be considered like a weapon, it was, like, made to be like a weapon, or something that would be, like, make people unsafe, when, actually, these, like, a lot of people on the inside are asking for these things just to feel a little bit more safe, you know, because, like, I'm not going to lie, jail and prison, it's pretty, you know, like, you know, cruel, unusual, as, you know, it's already been said, it's really, there's not a lot of hope, but just any way to assert value in yourself or any way to heal in such a traumatic place is really important, so... I think uh, one thing we've been working on for a while is making a unisex or so like a one size fits all commissary list for across all Pennsylvania jails and for like you know at least across all Pennsylvania prisons. Um, and so that's
1: part of that sort of part of our like it's an ongoing campaign that we have been working on. Um, and then I think a lot of our other sort of campaign organizing has been more opportunistic like <laughs> like oh we'll sign on to this thing or, um, <laughs> um, and then the other major piece of work that also came out of the direction was so as you probably know if you, <laughs> um, people in prisons in Pennsylvania are not allowed to write to each other and so in this community that's spread out over a geographic area uh, in, where also punitive transfer happens a lot I and mean, we over and over mm. again hear a story about someone who is assaulted Uh, about a woman who is assaulted in a designated male prison and then she's transferred to uh, to for her own safety um, away from where she may have community connections It might be closer to where her people can come see her
4: like and we also hear about you know someone not necessarily being assaulted but being in a relationship and being transferred for that Mm -hmm. reason right so it doesn't even have to be they don't even always have this thing of like oh we're going to protect someone Mm -hmm. it's often just punitive for being in a relationship or for having community. So the isolation can be even more blatant um, yeah. than mm-hmm. the, They don't always hide behind this, this veil of protective custody. It's often pretty, they're pretty frank about the fact that they don't want particularly trans people making community um, inside prison mm-hmm. walls.
3: So I think it's a big risk for like trans people, like because they're not in like a, uh, especially for transgender women in like what are designated male facilities because, yes, like, if you're not in PC and you're out in population, then you might be able to find community. But what you're also doing is you, you're also, like, uh, risking going into a shark tank to find that community. So then mm-hmm. it's like you either go into PC or, and be isolated or go out into population and maybe find uh, maybe find some kinship but also be stuck in a shark tank. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and mm-hmm. I think that, that, I mean, that sort of impossible choice is what mm-hmm. is... um. And that's another thing that the research bore out is that both strategies is that there isn't a single strategy, uh, that people have deployed that like, that what, like the impossible choice that she just, that Jordan just referenced, like safety Mm -hmm. or isolation. Or
4: maybe you're safer in protective custody, right? Or maybe the guards are selling you. Exactly. Um, (laughs) Except sometimes the guards are much more dangerous than any of the other people you're locked up with. And maybe you have, you know three friends out in population who are going to have your back but if you're isolated mm. nobody sees the horrible things that happen to you right so it becomes a very individualized consideration as i think jordan was saying yeah. with regard to how someone you know seeks to be housed and even if she's seeking to be housed in a particular way people aren't usually you know they are also not given what their preference would be yeah. regardless right yeah. so and, and,
5: that,
3: and that goes especially uh, for uh For like what gender designation because very rarely would a transgender person be placed in a uh, gender appropriate facility. It would only happen if if they had surgery or a few other things. The uh, rules are kind of nebulous there but you have to have at least surgery and uh, there's a few other rules too. Well
4: and at an anecdotal level women have been placed in men's facilities who have had Mm -hmm. genital surgery, who have had you know, you know what they would girl. call all quote-unquote of the medical pieces of transition right so even that there's no guarantee as to where you'll be placed
5: mm-hmm. And like i'm gonna talk about that and then tie it back to what we were like talking about like a lot of times in the u.s um i don't know about anywhere else but if you have even if you got everything changed as a trans woman or a trans man or like if you happen to be a two-spirit or a femme queen who happened to go through a medical transition because you know you know people vary a lot um if you have if you ever had a record as a like as a quote unquote male or a quote unquote female that often can override every, anything and everything mm-hmm. and kind of like going back to like uh, so we are taking that but just like kind of going back to like they a lot of times I have this impression that um, sometimes people have not, not a lot of autonomy but they have some kind of decision making process for like I kind of want to be I might want to be sometimes people get to choose their soulmates and that's not you know but like there's this kind of not exactly, but like you can appeal. Mm-hmm. You, you can, can appeal, fight for what you want. You can fight for what you want. You might want. lose. You might lose, but, <laughs> but like you trans woman, especially I feel like uh, I'm not sure how it varies across like, you know I wouldn't know how it varies across race lines, but I would I would assume that the more incriminalized you are and the more you're not the more you're disrespected and dehumanized, the less likely you are you you are able to be like uh, sell with someone that you would want to be self with or sell with, like, mm. uh, someone you feel comfortable with. Cause like we either you're often you're isolated or, uh, people often have to fight for like, cause like, let's say you actually, cause sometimes like people find, actually have like relationships in prison and that helps them survive. Mm-hmm. Or you have like, you, even if you don't love, even if there isn't that kind of a very intimate personal relationship, having a boyfriend or a husband, can or whatever you would call it, you know whatever the word is for whatever the person's word is can be a source of protection and that's really resources. real like resources are really important because like there are no re- like not like for anybody in prison there's almost there's already like extreme lack of resources but for like trans women especially like trans women of color and like and like we're not even talking about like you know like immigration control like which is a whole different thing but like I don't know, there's all there's all that, and just, like, even in the, I like to, like, there's a femme queen and a dozen male present that, like, really puts it really simply, like, I have a cellie now, but I had to fight for it. So there's this kind of, like, lack of access to being able to, like, it's already so unsafe for, like, transgender and gender variant people on the inside, and, like, the way everything works makes it harder because of that, and because of lack of access to, a perp- like, quote-unquote, appropriate, perp- like, whatever your preferred clothing or makeup and then also the fact of like expression is really limited and restricted uh i'm sure someone could tie that up
4: so i think where we're headed with this between protective custody general population violence relationships not relationships COs, whatever it is trans people end up isolated no mail from other prisons from other trans people Oftentimes people can't get mail from the outside because there's so many punitive measures, sort of level at trans people specifically. Um and I think you were gonna talk about the newsletter. Yeah. yeah, As yeah like that's talk about also that. that's
1: another thing is that like if you're that the that you don't get the news. You don't get to find out, right. Uh-huh. You know, I mean we just so we we have an inside member who's coming home really soon. She's maxing out, which is another thing we could talk about because trans people disproportionately max out. Uh like they don't get they don't make parole either because they're just not making parole because there's institutional violations for doing things like wearing makeup or, um, <laughs> or, or whatever. Like so, there's that, and then there's also in order to make parole you have to uh, have appropriate housing. So it sort of requires that. Well, whatever. There's.
2: That's, I, that was a side digression. That <laughs> we're going to yeah, talk Johnny, about. We're going to talk about newsletters. We're going to talk <laughs> about the newsletter. Before we talk about the newsletter, I actually had a couple more questions okay. though, about the report. Shoot. Yeah, Great. Um, One, like, what did you guys like do with the report after after it was done? Like, did you send it inside? Did you? We
4: did. So we made sure that those folks got them first. We actually had a wonderful experience. Um, so we had to, so we had to print these newsletters, right, or these uh, reports, excuse me. Um, and so we're at Staples, and at that point, Hearts on Wire did not have much funding at all. And we're like trying to figure out what kind of binding to use of like, what can we send in, right? Like, what are they not going to send back? Cause, like, Staples get sent back, like, nothing with metal in it can go. Like, the little um, spiral binding that can be used as a weapon. So we <laughs> had to like look at all of these options, and you know, like, we're like trying to figure out how many we can do, and can we do enough for the folks who were kind enough to answer this survey and this that and the other there's a young man working behind the desk and we're like showing him the document and asking him what the options are david right his name is david his name was david and and you know he's just at staples doing his job right like he does he's not a part of this group he doesn't know anything about us and he's looking at this and he says he says oh is this going to people who are locked up in prison and we're like yeah you know this is this group that we do whatever and he says, hold on. And he comes back, and he shows us this, like, ridiculously fancy, expensive binding. And he was like, well, this this you can use. And we said, oh, you know, like, we, that's going to be too much. We can't, like, we don't have a lot of money. This is what we have to spend. I think he, 60%? He, he charged like us.
1: Gouged.
4: He charged <laughs> us about 40% of what he was supposed to charge us for this printing and binding. Because he had someone in his family who was locked up, and just purely based on the fact that we were trying to help incarcerated people, this person, like, basically did something that I think he could have been fired for (laughs) on our behalf. There's all of these resources out in the community, and if we can just marshal them. And often we manage to just through sort of, like, basic kindness of people, or people understanding that what we're doing is inherently good because they understand how bad incarceration is. But that's, I mean, I feel like that story just always stuck with me, that he was willing to do that for us. Sorry, I'll stop
5: No, talking. that's wonderful. It that was a nice
1: story. Um, and we didn't have the budget to print copies for folks on the outside. We eventually, like, printed some uh, to people who really wanted a hard copy as a way to, to make money, but it is available for free as a download and at this point, I think the last time I checked was a few months ago, I was on the like we, it's on a Scribd like it's like Scribd.com forward or back mm-hmm. some slash direction hearts on a wire uh, and it's <laughs> available there and there's was like 11,000 people had downloaded it Cha. Um, and, we, and we sometimes get we know it's used as part of curriculum in like gender studies classes and also prison studies classes so like we, we get occasionally professors sending us email be, uh, being like we're gonna use this is that okay please sign yes. to it um, <laughs> and then
4: it was recently published in that journal, was it, where in New Jersey did Sharon present, was it Rutgers?
1: It was Rutgers. Was it?
4: At a women's conference it was recently used, it was like Women in Gender Studies and one of our members took it and presented on it, it's being published there. So it's sort of taken on a life of its own, like the report has become its own entity unto itself. So. Do you, oh, uh, go
2: ahead. Do you think you would do something similar again?
1: <laughs> As the one of the people that was that did it. I, it was nothing but cockiness that made me think that we could pull this off and we did pull it off. But uh, I'm definitely still that cocky. I'm more exhausted. I
4: mean, I think that we would know better what the plan should be this time. I think we could do it again. I think we have our eyes on different kinds of projects. Um, but I'm not sure. I just don't know that that's where the energy is in the group right now, yeah. but I think that's good.
1: I think that people who do, that at this point there is enough sort of anecdotal and convenient sample data that yeah. people who do research and get paid to do it, uh, and have like money to do it to like properly compensate participants. Mm-hmm. And because we uh, like that, that, that we brought up some good questions that people who do research for a living should take and, and, and maybe that's happening. I hope so.
4: I mean, I think the issues have become so much more visible. There's probably at least one, if not many, sociologists looking into this.
1: People have asked us for our data set, and then we say, get your own. Yeah, right. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Because we promised people who participated that we would, we have everybody's legal name, but we promised them that we would not blow their stuff up like that. That was a condition of them participating.
2: I had just one last yeah, question no. about, about mm-hmm. the the report. Um, do you know if, if like the DOC and like prison officials or anything like that have, have like read it and sort of processed the information that's that's in the report in any way? I mean there I mean, are places
4: that it's contraband. Um and every and And people have to be careful not to be yeah. caught with it.
1: And we've also had folks um who are allies to the trans community who are on our mailing list, uh file grievances successfully to get it taken off the contraband list. Um, That's right. Uh, and so... So
4: they've seen it, because in some places they don't want people reading it, which we're kind of proud of. And If you can, if you can you're get doing on the right. banned list, right? <laughs> you're probably doing something pretty decent. Something powerful. Um, but oh yeah, there has been some success in people having it removed from those lists, too, because there's not actually an argument for banning it, right? Not a good one, at least.
1: Yeah, they didn't like this. I mean, I, it's page thirty six and thirty seven. That's what remind, and it's and it's the it's the pages that have to do with sexual assault
4: that they thought would incite someone, if only.
2: You're listening to Decarcerate PA Radio on WPEB eighty eight point one FM. We're coming back to our interview with Hearts on a Wire Collective. Now we're going to go to talking about. The newsletter Hearts on a Wire sends into prisons.
1: Okay, well, so something that comes up over and over. So we have, right, so this woman is coming home in a minute, uh, and uh, and she, in her letter, telling us, like, hey, listen, I'm coming home in a minute. She was like, can you make sure that these people know I'm coming home? And two of the three people that she mentioned are dead. Um, and... But, and that used to happen a lot more, <laughs> uh, yeah. as people would come home and go look for Miss Kelly Harper, who was a major, um, pro- like, uh, a sort of underground, like, black market provider in Philadelphia. Uh, and she died six years ago, but people would come home looking for her up to three years ago. So there's, so one of the things is that news from this community doesn't go into prison. So, so that was a need that we were responding to. And we started out sort of trying to do pen pals, and, like, we both didn't have the capacity, and it was not a... F- it wasn't efficient cuz we were like repeat people are like what's happening to my neighborhood what what is happening in my community who's still alive who's locked up um and also so we started doing this newsletter to sort of get news in and information that we were being asked for repeatedly and then people also started writing for the newsletter from the inside and it sort of taken on a life of its own so that Conversations that happen in sort of real time out here are also happening slowly through the newsletter over like months. It's, you know, I'm thinking of an article written by someone named Lex Anonymous about in response to an article about uh, there was a woman who was killed, and we had a, like an obit about that, and then someone wrote a response to that that was sort of, if I'm killed, I don't want a call for justice to involve the police, like. Because <laughs> that that was what so um, a woman, Kyra Cruz Cordova, was murdered, and the justice for Kyra turned into we need the police to do their jobs better, um, and so someone wrote a response to that that sort of said hey that's not what justice looks like to me and it sort of upsets me and then some and then people wrote letters in response to that article and then people illustrated the response to the letter responses with. Self-portraits of themselves as loving themselves, um, like this is, we got all these illustrations of like trans women seeing themselves as beautiful, and then one Whoa. person sent us one of those, and then people sent us responses to those, mm-hmm. um, which is I think my favorite sort of yeah. illustration of like the newsletter becoming this sort of slow percolating conversation about things that are maybe easy to have conversations about like there's conversations about whether or not it's a good thing to have a z code z code being the the isolation code the like you have to be in a cell by yourself Mm. um and some people really want the z code and some people really don't and there's disagreement in the community about whether that's a good thing for trans people or not and like that conversation you know it's like we at we put out a like hey we want to have articles about this and some people wrote articles and then people responded to that and the consensus is there's no consensus, right? Uh,
4: yeah, I mean, I think, and I think sort of beyond these conversations that are happening, one of the things that's really important that the newsletter does, and and it functions in a lot of ways. But there's been a lot of information sharing, right? So reentry resources, information about hormone use, information about silicone use, inform- I mean, right, like mm-hmm. medical information, all different kinds of things that folks just don't have access to legal information um well, that's you from know. the outside
1: in so a lot or not, right. not always because we have some really great legal writers who are prison mm-hmm. like prison jailhouse lawyers yeah so, but I mean, also inside it, like the the um like anonymous at SCI Dallas who wrote this amazing piece about her own it was like sort of her own journey to recognize that she was in an abusive relationship and how she got out of it without moving from to a different prison uh oh like and there was a response to that there's lots of That was to that. like supportive
4: and loving and that might have been the first time she had heard any of those things because she was in this really isolated place where she had not only been a trans woman in a men's prison, but had then been in a domestic violence situation inside of this larger, very violent institution, right? So I mean I think some of that sort of pass through work that we've been doing has been really mm-hmm. incredible too, of like just Letting people know that other folks are hearing them and and mm-hmm. giving the responses to them through the newsletter.
5: We've started to uh, think about uh, using the newsletter as a way, you know, as a way for people on the, trans* and gender* people on the inside to communicate with each other and on the inside and outside. And instead of like just doing it directly through what let- like through letters, we have like the submission process. But like, I think that it just is a way for like, I think it fosters a sense of like communication and that communication can actually people have built relationships through the newsletter mm-hmm. and that has really helped people on the inside. As well as like when people are re entering from jails and prisons in Pennsylvania. Like we can put resources, we can put information that's really useful. We uh, and like you just like it's like in us in a place that is full of trauma and isolation, I feel like the newsletter is like just one way of trying to heal through the sense of communication.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the newsletter has even been known to sort of expand people's notions of their own um, trans identities, right? Like we had a whole newsletter on spirituality and faith, and how people and people were talking a lot about how they conceive of themselves and their gender identity within Christianity, within I mean, what were all the different. someone not about Judaism. It's um, a lot
1: of Christians.
4: There were a lot of Christians. And
1: somebody with a really mixed Nifa.
4: With. Yeah, who's a philomite, I think. Uh, Yeah. And in their case, it was like they had found this religion that helped them realize that they were trans. Like, they had found this faith sort of almost in some ways in conjunction with their gender. But so, like, these conversations that are just not happening, even out here all that often, right, Mm -hmm. that are few and far between are happening in this newsletter um, Mm -hmm. among incarcerated people and between incarcerated people and and folks on the outside. So, Mm
5: -hmm.
1: And then we also end up printing a lot of love letters.
5: Yeah. Because we find lot. love in Poems a hopeless place.
4: Uh-huh. I mean, we unfortunately get a lot of porn, too, but we don't get that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Someone should do that. Someone should totally oh make Oh, my God. If God if there's porn, a need for that. that.
5: Shut up. Like and a there smut. is so
1: much of it. We oh, We
5: get, my like, God, like, God, get to folks on the wild. inside to
1: write smut and then send it back to them. But we can make money off of that. You're right. We could. This is
2: totally we could a make...
4: idea. No. Here, oh, 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 oh. I've been writing grants this it, whole time. You <laughs> have you to be prepared
5: because it's really good.
1: Like... <laughs> or really bad. Or
3: really bad. Oh,
5: so really it's really prepared. bad.
1: Oh, cool. But don't describe his penis again. I uh, do
3: there, there, <laughs> there was just this story that uh, reminded me of that. Like, one time about a year and a half ago, I got a letter from somebody in Indiana. Like, sometimes, like, you know, you'll see... A, You'll see a lot of the best, too, but you also see that there's a lot of, like, you know, uh, people who have just a lot of issues. One time, like, this person sent me a letter describing, graphically describing sexually sexual assault of a child. This person was, just like, a uh, very dangerous individual, and he, she was convicted of uh, that, and it was just very traumatizing. So, like, uh, you just... Uh, but one of the more humanizing things was I wrote a letter for the, uh, next newsletter after that about, like, how, uh, about how that was inappropriate and how that behavior, like, uh, hurts our rights and actually got some positive responses from prisoners. So it's just one of those stories of, like, you know, how these people are, like, human and they at least, uh, even though they've fallen down and even though, like, maybe, uh they're unjust some of them might be unjust incarcerated some of them like you know may have committed some serious stuff but like to hear of that humanity when somebody uh acts like when somebody acts like that it's just uh amazing how people like you know just still are willing to like call out call out the bs
5: mm-hmm. yeah i mean on the same note um my, you know, uh, coming from my own understanding, you know, he was I, I like the eyes thing. I like the, you know, like the. I I feel this way. I think this way because like I'm part. So I, I like I, I'm part of hearts and a wire, but I also have my own feelings, and obviously people's feelings are part of the group, and like we have like we vary a lot, in like what we try to do, and like the way that we feel about things, and um, just just like and this is just me. Um, when it comes to like, I feel like. Sometimes, either like trans people just like when it comes to like representation and just like people talking about like incarceration and people getting locked up in general like a lot of times it's just like trans people aren't really trans people aren't really referenced or they're they're referenced in really awful horrible like they're blatantly like misgendered or there's just like this kind of like there's already so much dehumanization there's already so much dehumanization of like trans women, especially trans women of color of like african latina and all kinds of ethnic descent when it comes to like trap like when there- if you're an autonomous sex worker or if you a trafficked or like or like if you're a migrant worker there's just like so much dehumanization in the representation of like trans people i think it's worth like talking well i don't know like it's kind of like a general topic like so it might be i might be like going on this like accidental loop but yeah i think that like there could be a lot more humanization of the people that are either wrongly accused or that are just, are doing survival crimes or just like, are just trying to improve the quality of their life, but they don't have the access to resources to do that in a quote-unquote legal or a quote-unquote legitimate way. You know, that's just just something that I think about. I don't, I'm not sure where you want to take it from here, but that's just something I wanted to say. I was gonna say that like one of
1: the we open the mail together and we sort of this is like how the meetings run is we like you know we get mail sometimes it's like three things like this week and sometimes like 15 things and, every, and you know if we open the mail together and sometimes the mail's really hard sometimes it's really hard because it's it's like someone is like i found an address of a, that probably a human being is going to open and i'm going to upset them on purpose be like because i'm a you know a jerk um as it's a mild word I'm going to do this sort of rapey behavior um um, uh and then also sometimes it's just what people are going through is incredibly painful and because everyone in the group it, it also shares identity like it's not theoretical it's not oh this is really interesting like this is actually like something that like has happened to me or could happen to me or you know or people I get like
4: Well, and I feel like sometimes there's, like, this weird gray area, right, where someone is writing us a dirty letter because they really sincerely are in need of human connection. And, like, what feels like the appropriate expression of that need is a desire for sex, right? And I don't really want to open that letter most days. It's not really why I show up to these meetings. It's not what I'm here for, right? Other people can be. That's fine. But so there's also, like, of course, like, what Jordan was talking about, her situation was an extraordinary extreme, where, like, that person was being abusive to an Mm -hmm. invisible person they had not seen. More often, though, I feel like the thing that sometimes we need to support each other around is, like, this person is actually reaching out for a real need, i.e., Miss Tony, who writes us the same letter over and over again, which is, like, frequently about her boyfriend and is super pornographic, and I don't ever want to read that letter. I recognize this woman's handwriting. Yep. Because I don't want to read that letter. But she writes to us over and over again because there's a need for human connection that's not being met, yeah. right? And so She gets also, to sign a Miss Tony. Right. I mean, there's like, you want to hold people's needs mm-hmm. sort of carefully and not um, misunderstand your own needs around support at the same time. So I feel like opening the mail together is really important. Because you open a lot of mail that is tough to read. Definitely. Whether that's about someone's bad experience, whether that's someone being predatory, or whether it's someone just expressing a need that you're like, whoa, that's heavy, that's a lot. I'm not sure I can handle that by myself. Like, having someone next to you makes a huge difference. And I feel like... So it's not just about community for incarcerated people, right? It's about community for transgender variant people who, who give a shit about each other and are walking around in the world all the time. It's like somewhere mm-hmm. that people can be once a week. That you know they're not going to be the only trans person in the room, and and everything we talk about is actually going to be about this community and not about some other community. So I, I guess I just feel like there's sort of like mm-hmm. levels to all of this that occur that it's important to remember that we're busy supporting each other while we're trying to support folks on the inside too.
2: Mm-hmm. But. And so I guess that that sort of goes to a little bit about like um, like who makes up hearts on a wire and like what hearts on a wire looks like. And so, are you guys like exclusively um, trans and gender variant people?
1: We were asked this question recently, and and I don't think we would it's a
4: complicated question. I don't mm-hmm. think we
1: would tell people not to come. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't, of course. Um, mm-hmm.
3: But the outside the vast collective.
4: majority no. of us are gender nonconforming. Mm-hmm. You just said that.
5: Or uh, people I, like
4: that word. I feel like that's the
5: largest. Okay. It's the most, yeah, people, gender, non gender variant, trans, hydra, femme queen, two-spirit, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call yourself, it's fine. But I feel like gender non-conforming yeah. is the
4: word that sort of, like, covers the greatest number of people. I don't, I okay. have feelings about that word, about gender yes. nonconforming but notwithstanding, it's I think everyone one. in this group, or nearly everyone. Men every who vacuum, woman, Rosie the Riveter, stay-at-home dad. <laughs> they are gender nonconforming it's true. Um so yes <laughs> that's not these, who we mean. But I mean we definitely have some allies in the group but it's overwhelmingly uh-huh. folks who identify as transgender variant
1: yes. um, and the inside or collective is something like that. Is also there's uh it's all overwhelmingly there's some transamorous people transgender variant people and their partners. Right. There are a lot uh-huh. of partners. Not, yeah. like, like not tremendous amount but they write a lot. <laughs> yeah. the Love letters often
4: come from these folks. Yeah. Um so yeah I mean I think I think one of the things that's tough and that we bulk at a little bit is, like, demographic questions.
0: Yeah.
4: Um, right? Because the whole thing is, like, I don't get to decide for
3: anybody else. It's, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, we folk, we center our work around uh, trans issues, so there's sort of naturally you'll get trans people, like, uh, yeah. you'll get the vast majority of people are trans, if, uh, if that makes sense. Because, let's face it, like, you know, our like collective is focused on trans people and incarceration and uh there's uh you know and of course like naturally there's gonna be a lot of trans people naturally of course uh this will go off on tangent there'll be a lot of like people who've been uh incarcerated before or people who are uh or people who've done like work within the uh who are lawyers and have no uh sort of uh this type of stuff, and sometimes there's people like me who are allies to this uh, cause, and uh, just believe that it's just really effed up.
5: Yeah, I think that um, you know, um, it's like um, I'm like like the group is always ch- so like just 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 like on a weekly by weekly, we don't just like any week we could have new people come, and not everyone comes the same week, and we see like so there's like. So the just the just just in terms of the outside group, the demographic is changing, and uh, it's hard for me. Like I've only been here for eight months, so like, it, it can you know it varies a lot, and I think that. On the inside, when we're talking about like we like most of the a lot of the feedback that we get, demographically speaking, we see a lot of, we know a lot about transgender varying people we like communicate more with people and transgender varying people in designated male facilities rather than designated female facilities Just happen to know more about trans people and gender varying people and people identify in any type of way about that and more in designated male facilities and like i think it goes i don't know if it goes without saying but like there's this like you find that trans woman and, like, just kind of, like, how, you know, people say trans feminine or trans female or just, like, the kind of, like, you know, I think people know what I'm talking about. That whole, that, those groups of populations, I feel, like, are incarcerated, or can be especially incarcerated, and then especially, like, trans feminine slash trans female slash trans woman, like, you know, like, people, like, people, uh, people of color, especially of African, Latina, and indigenous uh, descent are, like, super incriminalized, and, like, a lot of, I mean, yeah, a lot of people that we're going to be communicating with on the inside are going to be, like, trans women of color and trans female slash gender-variant people on the inside in designated male facilities specifically of color, and I think that's worth talking about. Mm-hmm.
4: I think it's complicated.
5: Yeah, it's very complicated. I think
4: there's a lot of um, transmasculine invisibility in incarceration situations, right? I think there's a lot of people... Uh, who might otherwise identify as along that spectrum, but feel safer either not proclaiming such a thing Mm -hmm. or are just ignored by staff people or just not recognized. I mean, I think that goes on in regular society, let alone in an incarceration situation. Right. I think I just think that trans masculinity is a completely different context And the criminalization that goes on is different. I'm not going to... I don't want to make an overarching sort of statement about one or the other. Um, I think that trans women tend to be more visible to the public and to the facilities. And so they are often suffering active discrimination, active violence, sort of active oppression, as opposed to this sort of invisibility thing that happens in trans masculine communities. Do these things happen in you know sort of the opposite way in both communities sure of course but i think if we're painting with broad strokes you're right that trans feminine communities are you know more visibly suffering the ills of policing and incarceration than any other communities and certainly communities of color are always suffering the ills of policing and incarceration more than any other communities and so i think the combination thereof as you say is is that sort of the most intense nexus of where we see these things happening? Yeah, actually,
3: mm-hmm. one of the things about like uh, this is, and we don't get a lot of like mail from uh, from like Muncie or Cambridge Springs, which are the uh, two uh, designated female facilities in the state. There's only two of them, mm-hmm. and uh, but the thing about it, the like sort of main difference in general between the two experiences is, like, trans women, they're the ones who are, like, often, like, on the receiving end of violence, and from what we have understood, like, trans masculine people in designated female facilities often end up, uh, actually, like, you no know, being perceived to be more violent, if that makes sense. It,
1: yeah, we've, yeah, anecdotally, we've heard that, like, anytime there's an incident, it's obviously the, like, masculine or center person's fault.
5: Uh-huh. I mean, it's for me, yeah. Which is,
1: you know, like whatever bore out nationally in terms of you know, like whatever high profile, like New Jersey. Yeah.
4: And, <laughs> like, I, don't, and I think the thing in our case is that our social networks are just connected to more trans women.
1: Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we
4: as a group, that's that's who we know. That's who we're connected to. That's sort of where um, where our relationships are. So I'm not sure that as a group it's even about. I mean, these like sort of larger sociological issues are interesting, but I think honestly, hearts on a wire is just more connected to trans women who are incarcerated, yeah. and that's always been the case. Um, and it's hard to go find people, right, who don't want to be found, who are going to be safer, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
1: you yeah. know. Well, and also we've Otherwise. used it was like we never had a sort of our outreach strategy. to the inside has always been based on relationships. It's like, Mm -hmm. who do you know? And then someone transfers and then you get 10 letters because someone got transferred. And suddenly you find out about like 10 women at this prison that you didn't even know the name of a month ago. And, um,
4: well, and if the goal is community, the, like the smallest building block is accountable relationships. Right. And that's who we have accountable relationships with, I feel like. And so that's where our community grows. Yeah for us. But. And
1: for a while we had a community
3: at Cambridge Springs
1: of guys there and then mm. uh, one by one they all came home and didn't go back.
3: The yeah, the big thing about Cambridge Springs though is that it's the more like uh, it's it's sort of on a different, like Muncie is like mostly general population but Cambridge Spring is, is more for like, you know, sort of like lower security level, huh? lesser offenses. Interesting. I did not know that. Very, uh, well, Muncie's, like, it sort of... out. Yeah, that's why, because, like, apparently, like, there's a lot of, like, you know, people, are, like, have, like, a little time left on their sentences. Like, it's very small, like, the designated women thing. Like, Muncie is, like, usually the general thing. It's a lot more, like, you get a lot more of the violent criminals there. But Cambridge Springs is more, like, you know, sort of minimal, lower security level.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: It's practically an old college campus. I've seen a documentary about uh-huh. it. <laughs> Aha!
4: <laughs> I didn't like college either.
3: It's an old college campus, but it's still very much like a prison, and uh, it still, it's still like you know got prison like atmosphere because it is a prison. But like it's a former college campus, it's a lower security level. It's okay. practically mm-hmm. like club fed.
2: Nice. <laughs> are your meetings open? Can anyone come? Absolutely. And what time and where are they? Mm-hmm.
4: Five thirty in what is this, the living room of the William Way Community Center on Tuesdays. Anyone mm-hmm. can come. Um, we rotate facilitation duties, although Mary is often our facilitatrix, because she's very good at it. And we run all the meetings on consensus, and that means consensus of whoever's present. So people, right, like, people are full members from the moment they walk through the door, and we try really hard to include all the voices in the room uh-huh. um, in these meetings.
5: It's so. not always accurate. We try to make things. We try not to. <laughs> so we're, We try to, like, incorporate everyone's desires and voices into the group, but... That's always a struggle yeah. wherever you
1: are. Yeah, and, it, and also we, are, we would be going through an agenda of, sort of, of things, and if someone was new in the meeting, like all this sort of, let's slow down and backtrack and explain everything we're talking about. Like, do we have an update on this campaign? Do we have, uh, like, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that it's, we're not always that great at, uh-huh. at m- making new people feel uh, like people. it's not completely overwhelming
5: think we've gotten better. I mean I I've only been here for eight months and I don't know how it's very You're a veteran. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's a long time or like short time. It doesn't matter.
1: I think that what is remarkable about you is that you've been so consistent. You decided you wanted to do this organizing and then you show up every week even when your life is really hard.
5: Yeah. I mean, um, are we allowed to talk about personal experiences at all at this end this end cut? Is that a? I don't know. Like, I can talk talk about and then decide
1: if you want to be like, I don't want. I want that edited out. Yeah, Yeah. and
5: I'll also like talk about like. So I feel like accessible. You know, like um, this group tries to be like when it comes to people who are coming in. I mean, this group is. I mean, like, this group isn't always accessible, but I think that we actively try to be accessible to like, because like sometimes when you talk about incarceration and you talk about like the prison industrial complex, you can like talk about that and you can like use big words and like you can like you know like you're not always like the way that people talk about racism and white supremacy and the prison industrial complex and all of that or just like you know you know basic you know like disrespect and hatred and incarceration i think a lot of times people talk about it in inaccessible ways and this kind of like quote unquote like grassroots or like prison prison abolitionist like and I'm doing it right now. It's kind of ironic. I'm doing it right now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but basically, I feel like I think we're I think we're getting better at like if someone comes in, you know, because not everyone has the same. Everyone, no one, not people, all talk differently, think differently. Not everyone has the same educational like, because there's like there's our there's our quote unquote academic ways of thinking about ta- thinking and talking about things, but like, you can make anything accessible if you care enough. Like you can, I feel like you can explain. Yeah, if you care enough, you can, you, can care, you can talk about white supremacy and prisons and racial profiling, and you can talk about that in ways that you don't need a college degree to talk about. You know what I mean? Like- and
4: sometimes you don't need to talk about it. Sometimes we just need you to put a newsletter in an envelope. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, both things need to happen at the same time, and I think it's important mm-hmm. to talk about that specifically. As you're saying that something, and oh man, she doesn't even know. There used to be some people in this group who wanted to, like, talk about the academics. Like, that's no. where they were. Yeah, totally. I
5: mean, and that's I believe valid. It, but that's
4: awful. Like, that's real for people, but you Are have you to mean? have both, right? You have like have to have both. We have to have, like, this abolitionist ethic and also care that people get a bra. <laughs> right? Like, both things have to be happening. Yeah. We talk about this all yeah, the time. That like, This is our goal, is to hold both of those things simultaneously and, and yeah. make all of that happen. And it's a challenge, for sure. Is, yeah. But I think you're right that we've gotten a lot better we I feel like, at, I mean, at making it accessible. I've
5: been here... I know that, like, like despite the fact that I'm economically struggling and homeless a lot, you know, and you know, my despite my fact that I have lack lack of class privilege, my white my white privilege, my citizen privilege has allowed me to have educational access, and that educational access has given me the ability to talk or like narrativeize or like you know communicate about incarceration and white supremacy and trans like you know, the oppression that trans people face, and all the ways that it varies, and I, I recognize that, like, when, even when I came in here, like, I started off with using inaccessible language, the more longer that I stayed here, the more I was, like, the way people get treated is awful. <laughs> this, like, prisons are <laughs> awful. Right. What can we do for people, trans people on the, transgender varying variant people on the inside, like, you I did like, just I, I, you know what I mean, like, if it doesn't, like, I I've i gotten to a point where, like, I can, commu- if, I, if I, if I, if uh if I, I'm starting, you know, if I can communicate to someone actively, then I think, uh, I, I you know, I've become less of an obnoxious bro. I think,
3: uh, I think, like, you know, you, you all touched on a good point about, like, you know, trying to balance, like, this, uh, whole, like, uh, anti-imprisonment, uh, idea with, uh, was sort of like pragmatism for like right now like i'll admit one thing i don't nest. Necess- i uh, found community in this group but i don't consider myself a prison abolitionist i consider myself more of a prison minimalist if you will i'm not like uh i think that prison may be useful for certain like really violent offenders but i believe like you know sort of a uh, it's probably the part about, like, you know, doing the reforms inside the system and, like, reducing incarceration is where we, uh, where I've, uh, or at least myself, I've found common ground with this group. And We are glad
1: to have you, despite yeah, the fact that we don't actually share so much. the same ideas. I'm,
3: uh, if you talk to me about, like, you know, whether we're over-incarcerating, yes, I agree, we are way over-incarcerating. Mm. And, uh, and it's just like, uh, and also if I can like go off for a minute, like I've uh, taken a lot of like you know what I've learned from this group and uh, what I've seen, and uh, I've done like communication sort of like more mainstream political activist circles. Recently, uh, there was a uh, a uh, political action committee who held a bunch of can that centers around LGBT issues that held candidates' nights. We grilled candidates on questions such... About, like, uh, transgender people in the prison industrial complex. A lot of them, like... And we're talking about these mainstream Democrats in and around (laughs) the uh, Philadelphia region, gubernatorial candidates have basically said, like, uh, all these ideas that you never thought, like, would come out of mainstream politicians' mouths. Like, you know, people should be able to, like, be in gender-appropriate prisons if they so wish. You... We're, the fact that we're now uh, hearing, like, uh, these uh, mainstream uh, politicians, like, you know, uh, start to embrace this issue, even if quietly, and even uh, and even if we have to keep pushing them is, like, uh, just testament to, like, how uh, grassroots advocacy can have a huge impact, and uh, I think Hearts
5: on the Wire has had a huge impact. I mean, I think that's important to recognize that, like, Hearts on the Wire is made up of people, of human beings that have different beliefs, like, you know, we have, like, people of different races, genders, like, class statuses, people who have, like, never been in jails and prisons, people that have been in jails and prisons for, like, the majority of their life, we have, like, an extreme variation of, like, people and experience, but, like, not but, and, like, people, like, you know, people have different dreams, people want different things, people have different healing processes, and I think that it's important, I think, and not even for Hearts and a Wire, I just think it's important to recognize that there's an extreme variance, or, you know, there's extreme variation of political tactics, and there's extreme variation of, like, okay, there's a bunch of different things that people want to do around trans people in prison, and, like, Hearts and a Wire started to, like, started to focus in while also incorporate. you know, we also, we still... Struggle, and I feel like personally my experience of Hearts and a Wire is like we incorporate we try to as much as possible incorporate the wishes And the wants and the desires of people that are healing And like experiencing, tra- experiencing trauma and healing on the inside and I think that as long as this group focuses on actively communicating with what trans and gender-variant people want on the inside at least in Pennsylvania that as long as we keep our focus on, instead of saying, like, I want this, or well, I want that, but just, like, act people on the outside actively communicating with people on the inside, and they're like, what well, you know, what would make your life less terrible inside? It's like bras, makeup, uh, the ability to wear my the condom access, the ability to wear my hair past my shoulders, the ability to not have my hair shaved off at all, despite the fact that I... So I, getting to go to church getting to go to church because you're like you're accused of being gay or uh, obviously worse things well yeah, yeah and I think
4: far more revolutionary than than preaching abolition to people is actually listening to trans people and mm-hmm. right and like trans people, people actually setting the agenda mm-hmm. that's something that doesn't happen anywhere And I think that if the agenda is bras or the agenda is makeup, then that's what it is, right? The agenda isn't abolition. It's not for us to decide. It's for the people who are actually experiencing incarceration to decide.
2: That was our interview with Hearts on a Wire Collective. Uh, And again, to get in contact with them, you can go on facebook.com slash hearts on a wire. And their meetings are on Tuesdays at 530 uh, at William Way Center, which is at 1315 Spruce Street. And you can email them at heartsonawire at gmail.com. We have a recurring segment on the Decarcerate PA radio show, Voices from the Inside. Today we're going to have a couple of poems from the Sylvia Rivera Law Project Prison Advisory Committee blog. Uh, these poems are both by Jacalyn Ray Shakley. The first one is called Body and Soul. Where can one turn when you don't fit your skin? A disconnection between body and soul... Now you must portray society's role. To hell with that, to hell with strife. We only get but this one life. Born with a part that's not meant to be, we only wish to be set free. So come and meet the reality of me, the one you cannot immediately see. And this piece is called Codependence. When will he slash she learn that the patterns never change? a false hope is proffered trust is exchanged but come the finale it's always more of the same his slash her heart is in shatters for he slash she opened up again but the only thing that happened was a heart being slain won't she slash he see that the fractures can never be repaired only a new window can make the view clear it's nothing to be given bought or exchanged only she slash he can completely make a brand new frame Now we have some upcoming events. On this Tuesday, June 24th, uh, Decarcerate PA is receiving an uh, an award at the Bread and Roses Tribute to Change event. That's going to be at 5.30. And on this Monday, June 23rd, is our general meeting. That's going to be at 6 p.m. And that is at 1501 Cherry Street in Center City. Uh, Thank you for listening to Decarcerate PA Radio. You can check us out on the internet at decarceratepa.info. And you can check out this show and other shows at decarceratepa.info slash radio. Thank you for joining us on WPEB 88.1 FM.